0: Uh mm-hmm.
1: Welcome to Film Yak, episode 6. This is our weekly podcast for movie discussions. I'm Jordan.
2: I'm John. I'm Kevin.
1: And this week we're doing a deep dive review of Late Spring from 1949, directed by Yasujiro Ozu. This is uh, my early, pick early for the week. Early spring? Uh, it's late spring. Isn't it early? Yeah. Did Are you sure? Did you watch it's the right so movie? He's got early summer, which is the next one in the in the... It's called Late Spring? It's called Late Spring. Yeah did you not there's watch no there's the, no
3: film called early spring
1: there might be one i, I think film. there is actually I think, yeah, yeah he's got a bunch of the okay. seasonal films I yeah Totally watched early spring you did oh my gosh <laughs> wow this is epic <laughs> you watched the what wrong a
3: disaster <laughs> this is a disaster <laughs> wow early spring you watched early 56. Spring. 56 wow okay, okay. what oh. a disaster whoa okay so you guys are going to get to discuss this one on your own.
1: Uh, All right. <laughs> hey. I, mean, I have not seen you can, Late Spring. You can tell us about Early Spring.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Just cover the different eras of the season. I can't
3: believe I did that. Wow. But I mean, they both have Spring in the title. Yeah. yeah and they're both yeah, by the
1: same director. So yeah.
3: yeah. Late Spring is almost, it's like eight years older. Than that. Yeah. 49. Yeah. Well.
1: Well, There's that
3: exciting? Uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Also
1: just to let you guys know, uh, we do have a website Filmyakpodcast.com and we have some new blog posts up. Uh, we just recently posted my top 10 favorite films of all time. We've got uh, Kevin Heavens what best films of all time. However you my put top it. 10 Your top 10 yeah. pretty much. And we'll soon have John's <laughs> up there. so uh, check that out at our blog on com. And we have a uh, medieval movie poll that we posted last week asking people uh, what's the best medieval movie in their opinion. And so we're going to discuss that here real quick uh, because we have results in from from last week. Results that were shocking to Jordan. They were shocking. These weren't shocking to you? I like
3: both of the movies that came in the top.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, I know. At second place, we've got Excalibur, (laughs) which is your pick and on your top ten. Uh, that got six votes, but it was shocking to me that uh, the thirteenth warrior was number one at with twelve votes. Uh, what's up with that?
3: King of all movies about medieval times. Is it
1: <laughs> in your opinion?
3: No, I don't. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I haven't seen
1: it. <laughs> oh, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've seen it, but I mean, well, I remember I was... it being like you know gritty and bloody and everything, but. Uh... I don't know. It's just kind of like another it's a, action uh, film in a way. a
3: fantastic uh, late McTiernan mm. actioner, and it's just great. It's got some amazing scenes and uh, great acting from a lot of... Uh kind of um character actors uh european character actors and antonio Mm -hmm. Banderas does a fine job in it i think and uh the action is incredibly well directed ghost directed uh some of it by uh michael Crichton, apparently yeah i saw that he was uncredited for it who wrote the book that it's based on
1: so, you'd, right. you'd feel like this is a fair number one <laughs> For at, me, it uh, is. I mean, I don't, I'm okay. sure,
3: uh, I, well, I mean, I don't know how other people feel about it. but
1: It just, I mean, again, I haven't seen it a long time, but it it feels like kind of one of those disposable like action films. From I, that yeah, time see, period. I don't think it's
3: disposable at all. I think it's an underrated, uh, overlooked okay. thing. Okay. Well, I'll have okay. to go back and yeah. check it out. You there. should watch it. It's great. Goop. All right. Well, it's like a realistic take on Beowulf, sort of. Oh, okay, okay yeah. You know, I think like, Kevin uh, brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah. heard something about it having something to do with Beowulf. I mean it's just, just in as much as there's like this group of Vikings who have to go to the north uh to this kingdom that's being terrorized by what seem to be supernatural forces, uh, you know, that turn out to be uh not supernatural forces, just like normal kind of mm. so that's where it kind, kind of plays on like from the Beowulf,
1: but, Like plays on the superstitions of the yeah, time. A little like they're yeah, thinking yeah. It's okay, supernatural. There's a lot really of like
3: uh there's some, there's a little bit of a, a clash with the religions too. Like uh, Antonio Banderas plays a uh, an Islamic man, uh, and then uh, he's you know obviously the Vikings are like Norse mythology and uh, Valhalla and all that kind of right. stuff. And mm. so they they talk to each other about that, and it's pretty cool though. It's like got some really interesting ideas that you don't really see a lot. Like the idea of like like the Vikings don't know how to write. Okay, right? Like they don't have like a written language, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And so, but uh, you know, the Islamics do mm. and so he's like So this one great <laughs> scene where he's like um he shows Antonio Banderas shows the leader of the Vikings how to write part of uh the the Quran. He says he's and he's like doing it in the dirt with a stick and he says, uh uh you know, there is only one God and uh Muhammad is his prophet and then at the at the very end, uh, and the Vikings like really impressed with this. and At the very end, the Vi- before the last battle, the Viking says, "Look, say what I draw." And then he he does the same thing, and he says, "There is only one God, and Muhammad is his prophet."
1: Hmm.
3: Interesting. So That's it's really nice. it's pretty cool. It's pretty great, and the, uh, features one of the all time great uh, language transitions in f- the the all time greatest language transition in film history. Mm. Where, obviously, all the actors are going to have to speak English because it's a Hollywood film. Yeah, yeah. And you're Mm -hmm. not going to have people speaking with subtitles. So, in the beginning of the film, it's told from uh, Banderas' perspective and Omar Sharif is with him. And they're like partners at the beginning. And uh, they're meeting all the Vikings and the Vikings are speaking in Norse, you know. Mm. And uh, they don't understand them so there's no subtitles. And it's like that for, like, 30 minutes. And they make this deal where Omar Sharif can speak both languages. He's, like, translating or whatever. Mm -hmm. It makes this... uh, They make this deal to send Antonio Banderas with them. And while he's on the boat, he's watching them speak. And it because like, close-ups on their lips. And he's, like, he's learning how to speak their language. And then finally they just start, like, speaking, like, little spurts of English in between their Norse. Uh, And then eventually it gets to the point where they're talking in English. And one of them insults Antonio Banderas, like thinking he doesn't understand. And then Antonio Banderas says, uh, he says something about his mother. He says, "My mother," and he's speaking really slowly because he's he's speaking their language now. Yeah. And they're like, uh, and they're like, "What? How did you learn our language?" Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing scene. That That's, sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's actually not dissimilar, uh, as I understand. I haven't seen Hunt for Red October before, but it's an earlier McTiernan film where they do a mm. uh, they do a language transition in that also, where apparently the camera. Goes into a, a, a Russian character's mouth, and then it like slowly pans out, and he's speaking English. So, mm. this uh, is, I think this is a more interesting way. Of thinking. I just yeah. like that idea of showing. It's like you know
1: you're you're watching the film, but as if from Banderas's perspective. Absolutely, right, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. You have to check that out. Really good, really good flick. Cool, good flick. All right, well, we'll move on to our what we watched segment. We'll take turns talking about some films that we've watched in the last week. So, John, you want to
3: start us off? I can't believe I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> I feel like a dunce. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, last uh, weekend I watched, uh, I rewatched *Breathless* for the first time in about ten years. All right, the And Godard uh, film, yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fine. It's good. It's a uh, for me. It's like lesser Godard it's uh it's not one of his great ones, but I know a lot of people feel like it's it is or maybe even one of it like his greatest but i mm-hmm. it's very much like a first film kind of thing i mean yeah. it smacks of like lots and lots of ideas, not a lot of self control yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Wish which Godard didn't have much of yeah anyway, but I mean but... you know in other films, it's like you can see the reasoning behind some of his decisions, and in this one it just seems like he's just having a lot of fun, yeah, let's just try is, this, yeah. yeah, which is fine, and I like it, but uh it's just not I thought it was gonna like be you know like mind-blowing or something and re-watching it because i remember really liking it when i saw it the first time and um it's just kind of you know it's good it's not 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 good not great mm, okay but uh <laughs> i like i mean i like some of it i like some some parts more than others i mean obviously like there's the scene where they're where the the girl character the american is interviewing the uh I guess he's a filmmaker. I don't even know. The guy on the, or no, he's an author or something. The guy, he just got off a plane there at the airport and he, like, oh, yeah. she interviews him and he says, she asks him what his greatest uh, ambition is in life and he says to become immortal and die. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that whole scene's pretty good. Right? Yeah. But, Classic line. There, and the, I mean. it should be noted that, like, all, one of the all time, like, I don't know, I, I hear a lot about, like, how cool Jean Belmont, what is his name? Jean is a, jump here belmondo or belmondo yeah belmondo, belmondo. <laughs> yeah jump paul right? or Jump paul. paul belmondo know, something like that. Something this French. guy is such an asshole in this movie like he's the worst he is like such a dick like yeah. he just takes advantage of everybody he comes in contact with and then does some really heinous stuff like kills a cop yeah and then, like mugs people and knocks them out and steals everything from him. steals stuff from like his friends yeah. And, and the whole just, time he's just trying to get into the girls' pants. Yeah, all he wants right to do now. is just get laid. He's just yeah. like, let's sleep together. Come on, let's yeah. sleep together. He's yeah, just a yeah. scummy scumbag. I can't <laughs> believe... And it's like, all you hear about is how cool John Paul Belmondo is. And this is like... I mean, this is the film I associate him with. I guess he's in a lot of other stuff, but I mean like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pierre Lofaux. Yeah, but it's like other but he's like a total stuff. jerk-off in this yeah. one. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I guess it's like his... Posture, his presence. I don't know. He looks cool, but he yeah, does he does look, a yeah. lot of Yeah, he's oh, yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah, he's like a sociopath. He's trying movie. to imitate Bogart, you know, with the whole rubbing the lips and yeah, stuff. That's, yeah,
3: that's. Is that from a Bogart thing? I think so. Uh, yeah, I don't, he does that a few times. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Mm. I didn't get it. I was I, like, oh, he has big lips, so he has, has to big, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the girl does it at the end. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I do I, like the scene when he gets shot, because I, I like that he gets shot in the small of the back. It's, like, such a weird place. Like, you never see, like, right oh, yeah. above the ass. Like, you never see anybody get shot there in movies. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's, like, running with his hands. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, the way he's God, running yeah. at the end. It's great. <laughs>
1: that he, he just collapses. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty great. All right. Well, Kevin, what's, uh,
2: what's a film that you've watched this past week? Let's see, John lent me his copy of The Limey by Steven Soderbergh, and that is a really great movie. Like I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um I yeah, I love I love all the editing mm-hmm. and the jumping back and forth in the narrative. Yeah. Like, especially there's that scene with um Terrence Stamp and Louis Guzman where they're talking at the table outside Guzman's house and they're talking about one thing stamp goes off and does something and then they come back to that scene where they're talking about something else and then stamp goes off and does something else completely different yeah so i thought right. that was cool there's like, no
3: like linear time it seems like yeah it seems like they're jumping all around in time
2: yeah which is and, really cool yeah really i really, really like that and it was also cool too like i think it was actually pretty inspired of soderbergh to have like a music producer who is cashing in on the nostalgia of the 60s played by Peter Fonda. Yeah. Hmm. Like the guy who kind of, like along with Dennis Hopper, kind of encapsulates the 60s and the it's rebellious... Not re- it's not
3: really even that. It's just 66 and early 60s. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Which, again, We're, is yeah. fantastic. One of my favorite lines in all Yeah, of it. it's great. And, uh,. <laughs> that scene with terrence stamp and bill duke where he's like you know talking in like all of the like english slang and bill duke's just non-plus like no reaction on his face like (laughs) yeah i only have one problem with what you said i didn't understand a word of it (laughs) (laughs) so great it's true. Uh, I really uh, yeah. like.
3: Also, I like uh, Nikki Cat's performance as the the Hitman guy, Stacy. Yeah, he he's was great. really good. Like, I love like that, him that scene everything. where
2: they're like looking at the um, uh, the, 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 the crowd. The movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's, he's like, making fun of
3: everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's hysterical. It's and like, that Nikki Cat is such. He's another one. He's so underrated. Like he's in all kinds of stuff, and he's mm. excellent in everything he's in.
0: He's, right. He played
3: one of the um, one of the. I hate to jump right to this, but he played one of the rapists in uh, Time to Kill. Mm-hmm. One of these like backwoods hit guys who who takes advantage of Samuel L. Jackson's daughter, uh-huh. and he's like pure evil in that movie. he's just he just, and it's like <laughs> wow. a completely opposite performance of like you also. He's in Boston Public, that show that was on Fox. Like, oh, he was one of the teachers, ago. yeah. <laughs> and it's just like this totally opposite performance It's weird, weird, but he's he's got a lot of talent. It's just it's yeah, a shame yeah, he yeah. doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of work, yeah, anymore. Yeah. Anyway,
0: yeah,
1: y'all are making me want to go watch The Limey again. You should. You yeah. it's, it's good. I need to. Well um last week John assigned me Leviathan uh, a in an experimental documentary about commercial fishing which uh I wasn't sure how I'd feel about going into it but I actually really enjoyed it mm-hmm. um like you said it was very hypnotic yeah uh it's it's not traditional in any way cuz they don't you know not like a traditional documentary where they give you exposition or you know talk about any of the you know people that involved and in, you know what they're documenting it's just just straight up footage of the boat and them fishing and uh lots of experimental camera work where the you know i guess the thing that stands out uh, to me in the most where the camera is just like on the floor of the ship like slogging back and forth with these fish heads and yeah. you're just like right there like <clears throat> extreme close-up with the nitty gritty of all this uh, fishing and fishing gear was mm-hmm. this the when we were talking about hard to be a god and I was I had a problem with all the chains and stuff in the foreground of the uh, camera was this no, the film that you were that. thinking about this I don't, I don't think so okay. Maybe it was I, I was know. like maybe this I do remember
3: this. there's like a there's a scene really early on where he had, he's there's like one guy trying to like undo a chain or a rope or something. And it yeah. takes, like, ten it's, minutes. Yeah, you that's, can't, you can't get that's it done the enough.
1: first shot, yeah. yeah. It's, like, from the POV of one of the fishermen. He's just, like, you know, all the sound is pretty much garbled. Like, yeah. you can't understand any of the dialogue. And he's just, like, <laughs> like talking to the guy how to un- yeah. undo the chain or whatever, yeah. and he can't do it. Um, yeah, it, it was just really interesting. Um, uh, I don't know. It's like, parts of it that I guess, like, It was frustrating to watch in a way, you know, because you know, like you, you have like those instincts of like what a movie should do, and you're just like, okay, do this, Mm -hmm. do this, and then Mm -hmm. they're obviously just not gonna do that here. Um, Like one scene where they're like shucking the oysters. And the camera just stays, like, on the guy's elbow or, like, the guy's face. And my, like, I'm like, show me the oysters. Show me <laughs> the hands shucking the oysters. But they're just like, nope, I'm going to sit on this guy's face for, like, ten minutes. And all you hear is, like, the sound of the oysters and stuff. <laughs> so, like, parts of it made me frustrated just because, uh, I guess, like, those, I don't know, like, the Hollywood built into you as you, like, it, certain expectations that you have for films, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, um uh, for what it is and like what it's trying to do. I think it's really successful or it's just uh it's very hypnotic. It's, it's immersive to where you're just like right there on this ship with the, with the fishermen. And like, even though we don't get to know their names or like anything about them, you get a sense of like who they are and just kind of like the where that all this takes on them. Like there's that shot where it's just about five minutes probably of the guy like close up on the guy's face and his eyeball like and all the wrinkles around his eye and stuff. And like that's another one where I'm like, okay, why is the cameraman showing me showing me this, you know, like parts of it I felt like distracted me cuz I was trying I was trying to think of like the intention behind the the you know, the documenter's like the cameraman. And so I'm like, why are we seeing this? Like there's no explanation, but then like I thought it was kind of brilliant, like, as you keep watching it, and, like, it just stays, like, on this guy, and you're, like, you just you're trapped there with him, just seeing, like, what he looks like, and observing his face, and then you just start to think about and look at his face, like, the kind of wear and tear, like, that this has, this uh, life has had on him, you know? So, that was interesting, where it's just very, like, observant filmmaking like where you Mm. can't get away to what you like you know the story or like any exposition you're just kind of forced to just look and observe and be aware and be like be immersed uh, and then there's like another scene like it's just all one shot of the guy sitting there watching t v he's falling asleep and he's falling yeah, asleep that's great. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, another one that was like frustratingly great. I was like, you know this really captures this guy, you know who's just like up at four a m or whatever mm-hmm. watching yeah he's actually watching um the show about commercial fishing, What's it called? Like deadliest, deadliest Cat. catch. Yeah. You get, you could hear it on the TV. You actually don't ever see the TV. You just see like him sitting at a table, falling asleep, watching it. Uh. Um, so it was kind of like a meta moment, I guess, where he's like watching the show about him. I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, on this show, but, and, like that show, I'm, I'm sure is like the total extreme opposite of this documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, you wouldn't get a show, yeah. a show like this documentary no, no. On, <laughs> on
3: History Channel or Discovery or whatever. And
1: yeah, and then so that was interesting, but you know, again, frustrating. But I, you know, like I appreciate what they're trying to do, just like immerse you in that guy's life and situation. And then of course all the shots like where they go underwater, mm-hmm. and there's just like the bubbles and like all the water, like you yeah. know, just like the torrents of water and. Um, just very visceral like
3: the
0: the blood and guts pouring the, out the of the blood. boat into the water yeah <laughs> that, that was great
1: sometimes i'm like how did they even get these shots did they like well they
3: shot everything with gopros so they like a small yeah it's like a camera. tiny like a for extreme sports and stuff oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay so i'm assuming they just had them on lines and they were on- probably just throwing them over the edge of the boat yeah. yeah
1: yeah that looked really cool and it, it was just kind of like am i am i with somebody here or i'm just kind of like I'm just looking through, like, raw footage of a camera. You have you God's know? perspective in yeah. the film. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like mm, you see everything. You see yeah. everything. And I kind of, like, p- parts of it I thought it was most successful when it was like that, when it was just like, you know, either the point of view of the fisherman, like we're just seeing what he's seeing as he does his job, or it's just like a, like a omnipresent view of this place, you know, the the ones that were more distracting were like when i felt like i was watching a cameraman like move around and show me different things like i'd almost want it all to be just almost like this found footage of this you know situation yeah but Mm. i gave it four out of
3: five i thought it was really interesting glad you enjoyed it too uh i watched uh they showed uh oliver stone's wall street at the theater over the weekend and uh it took my wife to see it she had never seen it before and i'm a big oliver stone fan uh yeah. or at least for a, a period of time in his career I, I think he's truly gone off the deep and he does terrible films now but oh, uh, yeah his his uh film snowden was my worst film of last year <laughs> so oh, yeah, i remember man. saying that it was awful um but Wall Street is quite good. It's my second time seeing it, and I, I didn't love it the first time I saw it, but I, I, I really, really liked it this time. It was a mm. lot more fun. I guess I was had expectations going into it the first time that it was going to be, like, really seedy and, like, uh, you know, these guys are super corrupt and they're doing horrible things, and it's going to be yeah. about that. And uh, it's not really about that. It's, like, a very specific story about, you know, Charlie Sheen's character... Who basically gets involved in insider trading and in mm-hmm. the eighties, and um, they're not like the things that they're doing are bad in like an ethical sense. but yeah. it's not like they're killing anybody or you know doing anything yeah, super yeah, horrible. Yeah. It doesn't really show them like like they don't even like indulge or anything like in drugs or anything like that. You know, yeah, as far as I can remember anyway. But uh, it's not like Boiler Room. Uh, see, I wanted to rewatch Boiler Room for this show, and I just didn't have a chance to because instead. I watched uh rewatch Wolf of Wall Street, which I'll get mm. into in a minute. Yeah. But um anyways, Wall Street's good. I, I, I liked it quite a bit and uh I think, you know, Charlie Sheen's not great in it. But he's not great in anything. He's not a great actor, you know? But I think the acting, the great acting really comes from his dad, Martin Sheen, who plays his dad in the film, mm. who's, who's quite good, actually. Very, very enjoyable performance from Martin Sheen. And yeah. when you watch this, the biggest thing to take away from it is, like, Michael Douglas won the Oscar for this thing, and he's, right. like, it's not that great. Like, his performance <laughs> yeah. isn't... It's not even that showy. Like, it compared to, like, showy performances now... Mm. it's like nothing like you can't even imagine you watch this now and you're just like how would this even get nominated like Like, nobody nobody would even notice this like yeah whatever yeah and it's like he's and it it was like apparently i mean he was that was right when he was getting big and he Mm -hmm. did apparently did fatal attraction the same year and uh Uh, you know got a lot of attention for that but not like critical attention or anything and uh, it's just bizarre to think about like he got an oscar for this but you know like he's so much be- he plays essentially the same role but a much better version of it in the game Finchers the game Oh yeah yeah and then uh like something like Falling Down I think his performance is fantastic in as well so it's just mm. it's weird to watch him in this and think that this is what he gets so much acclaim for cuz he you know he has a line in it that's famous you know What's the famous line Greed is good Oh okay but I haven't seen the film so oh, I need well, to go watch it I mean like I say it's a good movie I don't you know just you know you don't go i don't go to it because the performances are great you know it's yeah. just a fun movie to watch i li- i like it and i like mm. i think the stock market and the wall street people it's an interesting uh place to set a film Yeah, you know? yeah. not a lot of films have done it honestly so
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <clears throat> all right kevin what's your next one let's see continuing uh let's see so we watched under the skin the other day so i watched birth mhm um, was not as enamored with it as I was. Shocked, for and under the skin. shocked and appalled. Shocked and appalled. Really?
3: <laughs> I like I like Birth more than I like Under the Skin. I, yeah. I
2: like. Okay, so I mean, I have a history with it, though.
3: I mean, oh, okay. I saw it twice in the theater. Right. You know, when I was what eighteen or nineteen. So okay, it's like a I'd go way back with it. Yeah. <laughs> did I See I mean, that with you? Uh, I don't know. Logan did for sure. I saw it. I think I saw it. I saw it once with Logan. Once with Jonathan. I don't think.
2: Okay. I saw it with me. Okay yeah i first of all i don't think nicole kidman is that great of an actress um <laughs> excuse me i like her a lot you mean in general or in the in film? general i don't think she's a great actress uh wow. and who yeah is, like who is a great actress kevin kate blanchett
3: okay <laughs> that uh, okay I, uh, give me a second. John's hurt over it, here. This is your such a, this is your episode <laughs> for heartbreak. Kevin, it's just such a it's such an obvious choice. Kate Blanchett. It's like saying Meryl Streep is a great actress.
1: I don't know. I think Meryl Streep Kate? would be a lot more obvious. But well, I, I mean, Kate Blanchett.
3: <laughs> Kate Blanchett's a good actress. Like, she's good. Yeah. She's serviceable. Serviceable. Okay. I don't think, Who I don't, do you think is a good actress? I think Nicole Kidman's a great actress. Oh, but yeah, I yeah. but I also I, mean, I feel like
1: Kate Blanchett and Nicole Kidman are. <clears throat> Kind of both up there in the same realm, though.
3: I think Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. You see her performance more than you see Nicole Kidman's performance. I think Kate Blanchett is like the uh, God who does this on the male side. <laughs> Almost like a she's like trying really hard to be like a Daniel Day Lewis, but Daniel Day Lewis uh, truly disappears into his roles, and I don't feel like Kate Blanchett really does. Now okay. that's not to say that I don't like Kate Blanchett. I think like something like Blue Jasmine. She's phenomenal in Blue mm-hmm. Jasmine. She deserved the Oscar. She's great. But, I mean, just like other things that she does, I'm not always super impressed with her as all. Well. Okay. Is she like, would this be a good comparison? She's like the
1: Jack Nicholson of No, actresses. she's not at no. all the Jack Nicholson well, of Well, you know, I, you, could the here, he, you could see his performance.
3: Jack Nicholson's <laughs> the king here, man. You could see
2: his performance. Yeah, but he's uh, like, yeah, yeah, but he's, made, he's made got like
3: of. a, I agree you see his performance too, but he's
0: so good <laughs> yeah. yeah he, <laughs> no, is, he I'm not saying he's not it's, it's not even, grabbed, yeah, it's not even I mean.
3: fair to compare because he just got like so many like iconic roles yeah, like, yeah she doesn't yeah. have all those iconic roles That's she's got true. like these you know kind of some some of these movies like nothing that she's been in you know yeah, yeah. but I mean but not, not to take away from your uh scathing review of birth here <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right so what else do you have for birth your comments
1: well
2: let's uh so I, I, my biggest thing with the movie was like I did not get its tonality like Especially with the score, it's like one minute I feel like I'm watching you know some kind of psychological thriller. The next minute, I feel like I'm watching some Chris Columbus family comedy, and like <laughs> I don't, like, get, I don't I, get
3: that at all family comedy,
2: yeah, the music no is no this
3: boss score is a beautiful thing. Alexander Desplat does a score for this film and it is one of the best scores of all time. I agree that he's an amazing composer. No, I don't think he's an amazing composer. I think this is one of the best scores of all time. This is his best score <laughs> Whatever, he's ever done. man.
2: I think he is
3: he is serviceable. <laughs> you think it's one of the
2: best he's ever done? He's serviceable? I think
3: he is I don't think he's that great. I think he's put in he put in an amazing score for Bird. I've heard other scores of his I'm not impressed with him. I I think he does a lot of like just kind of like it sounds like he's, like, a jobber almost. Like, some of the scores he does, they sound like he just, like, kind of phoned him
2: in. Uh, Personally. That's how I feel. What else did he what do, do, you, do? What do you think about, uh, have you, do you know, can you recall his uh, scores for the Wes Anderson movies Yeah, that like,
3: done? those are, that, that would be my prime example of, like, just kind of, like, generic Wes Anderson-y, uh... <laughs> I'm just I'm just not, and that's not fair because I don't even like Wes Anderson. So like you know like the, mm-hmm. your whole Isle of Dogs trailer discussion, you weren't I didn't, into it. I didn't yeah, well didn't I didn't watch. talk about it because I didn't even watch the trailer. I watched it mm-hmm. afterwards, and I'm just not I don't I it's don't get it. it. It's it, not yeah. it's not interesting at all to me. But like it's cool. not that I won't see it, but I mean yeah. mm-hmm. it's just I, Wes Anderson doesn't do it for me. There's a couple of okay. films that I find okay, and you know probably the same way that your you know like Birth is not that great to you, but like to me it's like a masterpiece.
2: <laughs> well, I mean. So you had a uh, you had
3: a problem with the tonality.
1: Yeah, the t-
2: the tonality. I thought Anne Hesh was the best acting in that movie. The way she She is good. She's just staring daggers into the kid. Mm-hmm. Um and I like the kid the, too. Danny like Cam- Danny, Houston. Cam- yeah, Danny Houston. Yeah, Danny Houston and
3: Cameron Bright, I thought was really good in it. What like- else
2: has he been in? He looks so familiar. He was in the 3rd X-Men film. Um, oh, was he the kid that Ellen Page oh. was like trying to save or something? uh i don't remember he's oh, okay. he is a
3: kid in the movie right. i don't remember right. what is i don't remember that movie okay. very much but yeah he was he was big for a second back then right 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 and then i like uh, also um makes a short appearance as as the kid's father uh guy from uh sons of the lambs killer from sons the lambs
2: oh uh damn it
3: and he's on he's in heat <laughs> mm. yeah uh, i can't remember his name me neither that guy yeah that guy He's good in it anyway. He's, yeah. he's, he's very brief his appearance, but I like him anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, I just like. him. anytime I see him in a movie, I'm yeah.
2: Happy. And the girl from the girl his the girl who plays his mother was uh, one of the prostitutes in American Psycho. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it was an interesting casting choice for Peter Stormare because, mm. like, every other thing I've seen him in, he's been this like weird. He's always like a creepy, yeah, creepy kind of, villain. Yeah, creepy villain or just like some weirdo. But here he was, you know, very much straight and narrow, like ordinary guy. Yeah. And so yeah, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I mean the 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 whole like I mean I yeah, I didn't feel like the ending was satisfactory. I didn't feel okay. like the story there I
3: can agree with you. Yeah. I don't I don't a hundred percent I although I love the actual ending, like her on the beach with the water and everything. Uh, I what I don't like is the idea that it it wraps it up and lets you know yeah. that he is not Essentially,
2: well, even then, I feel like you still have you still have questions with the letter that he writes, like they don't understand what happened to me, but I'm getting better, and yeah. like the way he says it like you know getting better is obviously in air quotes, so I feel like it if it had been like a hard line just like you know right turn or mm-hmm. left turn like something really out. Ad- Something really weird and abstract and out of nowhere. More, I think it would have uh, been
3: better, more mysterious,
1: like under yeah, the skin. More,
2: yeah, something like that. How'd you
3: feel about her taking a bath with the kid? Because that got a lot of controversy. When yeah, it came I remember out. that. Yeah,
2: I remember out. watching it. Me like,
0: okay, uh.
3: wish you were the kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, because you hate Nicole Kidman. She's ugly. I don't. Right. <laughs> that's uh that's serviceable. <laughs> Kevin, I saw her
1: in Days of Thunder and
3: I've never forgiven her. Are you kidding? Uh, She's gorgeous in that movie. Uh, Anytime with the the red
2: curls back in the 80s? (laughs) (laughs) Sexy. I only saw that movie once and I don't even remember her or I don't remember anybody. Let me ask you this Uh, The Uh scene
3: where she's at the opera and Uh it's just a close push in of her face and she starts crying. She's not a good actress? She's okay. Go get dead. I'm <laughs>
2: get dead, my friend. You get dead.
3: <laughs> she should have won the Oscar that year.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's she, a travesty. She's good. It's I a
3: like her. Travesty of justice.
1: All right. So uh, I watched a short film on FilmStruck, La Jeté by uh, I don't know if that's right. Uh, Jeté. La Jeté. La Jetée. All right. right. Yeah. Uh, by Chris Maker and it's Marker. Marker. Yeah. Chris Marker. I had that wrong. Uh, yeah. So it was, a, it was a good short film. Uh, I give it four and a half. It's pretty much black and white, all still photography, except for one shot. And uh, it's a sci-fi romance. And this guy is pretty much, uh, as a kid, he sees like a death on this pier. And he sees this beautiful woman that this image of her is just kind of stuck in his mind. And then shortly after that, it's like World War Three, and Paris is bombed and blown up, and everything. And everybody, like after that, lives underground. Um, and then they do like these science experiments on the sky as he, uh, when he's an adult, to like send him back in time. I, I guess to try and like prevent the world war or just to like experiment with time travel and see if they can do this Mm. but then he goes back in time as an adult and like meets the woman on the pier that he um you know who he saw and like falls in love and he's like you know trying to stay there in the past but he keeps being brought back to the present in like Mm -hmm. this you know torture underground scenario or whatever so it's really interesting playing with uh, time travel, and um, just just the the feel of, the like, the style of the film, like, the still photography was really interesting. Like, uh, I don't think I've seen anything else like that, which is, like, kind of presented, like, a documentary with just still photography, and, you know, there's just narration. There's no dialogue. It's just, like, narration mm. telling you the story the whole time, which can get, like, a little, you know, heavy-handed. Like, I would have liked a little bit more of just, showing me the story through the images mm-hmm. but what really got me with it was the ending it was just like a really nice like twist or turn at the end and um yeah really kind of kept oh well, it caught me off guard maybe other people could have seen it
3: coming but i was like mm. oh it's, it's interesting <clears throat> have you seen gilliam's 12 monkeys it's based on Legete.
1: i did not know that mm.
3: i have seen 12 monkeys but it's the exact same story Really? Except you know,
1: yeah, over like, two hours. That's yeah. funny because I'm watching and I'm like, oh, they should make like a full
3: length about this. <laughs> but <laughs> we we watched, watched oh, Twelve Monkeys. Monkeys I guess I'll have to. know, yeah. I, I Twelve Monkeys is in my top hundred. It's a it's it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I like. I like Gilliam's best film by far.
1: I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, also finished watching Repo Man. Um, you know, I talked about last week. And it was good. I wanted a little bit more between uh, Harry. I wanted more Harry Dean, basically, just Mm because I thought he was a great character. I was expecting a little bit more, like, interaction or development between him and Emilio. But it goes off into, like, some of the other uh, characters, Mm -hmm. uh, like Light, the other Repo man, and the the girl, and, like, you know, all the sciences stuff. Um, that was cool, too, and I thought it was a funny ending, but I just kind of, I guess I was expecting something a little bit different just from some of the clip-side scenes, so maybe. Mm-hmm. And also, it took me, like, a two weeks or something to actually complete watching the film. <laughs> so maybe if I would watched it, like, all put together, it would have felt a little bit more, you mm-hmm. know, right, but it was good.
3: Uh, I didn't think it was, like, great, but I, I liked it.
2: I think it's great. God,
3: I wish I had watched Late Spring. It's like 40 minutes shorter. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. <clears throat> 40 minutes shorter. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, because Late Spring's like almost two hours.
1: Almost two
2: hours, yeah. yeah.
3: I uh, rewatched The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm hmm. I uh, had a Jones, a major Jones, to rewatch this after watching Wall Street. Uh, this is the movie that I thought Wall Street was going to be when I watched it the first <laughs> oh, time. Yeah. And uh Wolf of Wall Street is just a fantastically fun movie. It's so much fun. It's <laughs> it's a blast. It's three hours long. Wow. It feels like it's forty minutes. Oh true. like it just rushes right by you. And uh like any good three hour movie should. And uh <laughs> it's uh it's just DiCaprio's best performance, uh shockingly uh graphic and extreme for Scorsese, who's in his you know late seventies, yeah. When he's shockingly making it, shockingly graphic. Have you not seen this? No. <laughs> yeah, shockingly. There's a scene in the early about <laughs> about three minutes into the film, mm. really sets the table. Like <laughs> if you can't deal with this, uh-huh. leave the movie. You yeah. can't handle it. <laughs> oh gosh, it's some crazy stuff that goes down, and you would not expect it to happen in a film starring Leonardo DiCaprio and other right like, you know, Scorsese kind of uh, big. Oscar-y kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um really really funny. Uh probably his funniest film. Mm. Uh Scorsese that is. Yeah. Uh just a really great great performance all around. You got John John Bernthal in there. Oh yeah. You got uh Jonah Hill does a great uh you know they would say this is like one of his dramatic turns but he's just hysterical in this movie. He's oh, yeah. really really funny. Uh you've got uh Isn't McConaughey in this movie? Matthew McConaughey in a small role at the beginning Who's just fantastic Comes in, just devastates and then leaves He's great Mm. You got uh, Margot Robbie in her only good performance You've got (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, she is good in it though I mean, she could probably be good again If she was in something decent, you know Mm. Um, That's not, you know I don't know how fair that I've only seen like three other films with her in them But she's terrible in them And the movies themselves are boring and horrible So, uh, you know, just a lot of great, great stuff going on in this movie. Cool. And I highly recommend it.
2: Cool.
3: Highly (laughs) recommend (laughs) it. All
2: right. All right.
3: What else you got, Kevin?
2: Let's see. Um, Yes. The Limey started me on a Steven Soderbergh uh, trip. So watched Shea, which is about uh, Shea Guevara. Sorry, I'm Benicio del Toro. That was, it's good, uh, but it's, it's four hours, so it's a lot to get through. Mm. Um, but a lot of, lot of really good performances in that. Um, also watched Sex Lies and Videotape, which was pretty good, pretty interesting. Uh, didn't quite blow me away, though. Um, and this morning, Traffic, All right. which I had seen earlier. Mm -hmm. like years ago yeah and like so like a lot of a lot of the stuff i'm like barely remembering was even in there but this is really good traffic is really good yeah like all all of the acting i think is really good and i like the uh the different looks of the different locations um another
3: fantastic performance from michael douglas too really great Michael Douglas performance actually yeah,
1: yeah. and Benicio yeah. Del Toro Benicio Del Toro Topher Grace is surprisingly good I'm
2: the... not a fan of Topher Grace no? you didn't like even him in the this? film even in Traffic
1: no I, I mean, think he's quite good in the film I, I thought he was I'm,
3: good I'm, I'm... <laughs> I like him on that 70s show too but
1: yeah, I yeah
3: I mean, <laughs> funny show I think he's terrible in pretty much everything else he's ever done right. he's probably yeah. not in anything
1: else that's actually
3: decent though, so. yeah don't
1: know
2: yeah, because you've already expressed your displeasure at Spider-Man 3 by not even watching it in the first place. I'm not going to watch that garbage. Nah. All right, so. don't. Uh, but yeah, um,
3: yeah, really good movie. I think Sex, Lies, and Videotape is an example of, unlike Breathless, a first film from a director that's really, like, controlled and, uh, mm. you know... Impressive for that reason that uh, Soderbergh has a lot of like self control on that, I would film. agree you know it 's very like austere and simple and yeah um adult or like not 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 so much as that you know it's like obviously it's not has the word sex in the title, but it 's not like it 's you know got anything in it that 's bad yeah,
2: really yeah. at all, but it's like uh it's just a very like mature film you know yeah for I agree with time I would agree yeah. and it's funny like I was looking over Soderbergh's m d b and like you know uh sexualizing videotape came out in 89 and mm-hmm. he's been working regularly, you know, since then. And he's made a lot of like very good and very varied movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I feel like, um, you know, like he's a guy I feel like should be up there with some of the, you know, quote unquote, like great directors. I don't think he gets the, um, he, I don't think he gets commonly name checked with, uh, some of his, Peers who may not, may or may not be, you know, as good of a director. That's because he does these
3: commercially viable films too. Like, he that's does, true. Like he the, does the oceans, oceans. The ocean yeah. Oceans, yeah. Even like yeah. Logan Lucky that came yeah, out. Yeah. Even like something like Magic Mike, which gets lumped in with those kinds of things, but it's mm-hmm. actually like a, 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 a really beautiful film, a really good movie. And, uh, mm. You know he makes really really entertaining movies, and I think sometimes yeah, critics yeah. don't know what to make of that, and they they think entertaining, not as uh, artistically viable. You yeah, know? which right. is not yeah. the case at all. I don't but think. for what they yeah. are, I mean, Ocean's
1: Eleven it was a great heist movie. I mean, it's yeah, it's I've only seen
3: good, it. I haven't seen it in a long time. But you know, I, it's it's I'm, I'm, all I, the know, performances. I don't know. It's, I was, it came out during my anti PG thirteen phase, so I didn't. Oh yeah, it. I hated it. But I, don't, I hate hated it. Yeah, I never saw it. I did see it. I just uh, don't. I don't. I remember not liking it because, because you know, just because it was I wanted to either. be violent and have cursing in it and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't appreciate any of the uh, subtlety that I'm sure is going on in parts of it. Yeah, or yeah. any of the funny performances because I was just had a big chip on my shoulder.
1: Yeah. All right.
3: All right. Screw that crap. <laughs>
1: Screw that. Right. Well, you got any other films or no, that's that way? All right. Well, yes. let's move on to late spring. I've got another film. Oh, you've got another oh, okay. film. Let's move on to John's
3: other film. I watched Early Spring, (laughs) uh, which is the Yasujiro Ozu film. Oh, really? Uh, It's uh, from 1956, and I've got a lot of notes on it. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to be talking a while about this one. Okay. I I, I didn't really like the look of it, to be honest. Uh, This is all the Mm -hmm. things I would be saying about the film if we were reviewing it. Okay. Uh, Mm. I thought it was... uh, uh, the film stock was kind of nasty like mm. it was really like grayscale like it was really low contrast black and white photography which i'm not a, a big fan of it looked like cheap kind of okay mm. that being said i think the direction is great i think uh all the the uh shots are pretty phenomenal the editing for the most part is great i found it a little confusing at times because there are like shots where it let, it'll cut around the room and i i, I didn't realize there were only two people in the room. It seemed like there were three, but now there's really only two. I don't know. It's got a little confusing Mm. at times. And honestly, the whole, I mean, this film starts out with, it's. well, first of all, it's a film about a man who Mm -hmm. lives with his wife and is a salaried worker, which means he uh, makes a salary, I guess. And he works at some kind of firm uh, Mm. writing on notepads quickly. I don't know. They don't explain what he does exactly. (laughs) Or if they do, I missed it. Um, All right. Things aren't great at home, but, you know, he's, it's pretty much his fault because he treats his wife like a, like a, as she says, a cooking machine. Mm. And uh, um. so she's unhappy, and he's a little unhappy, and he meets Goldfish, which is another female who's nicknamed Goldfish because of her big <laughs> eyes. Wow. Who is, if, 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 if his wife is a, is a nine, which I would say she is, she's pretty hot. Okay. Goldfish is about a four. Oh, wow. But for wow. some reason, he is enamored with goldfish. He <laughs> loves her. Wow. And he starts having an affair. Okay. And uh, it's the rest of the film is essentially about his his marriage and life crumbling to pieces. Mm. Um, So uh, the score uh, is, I, I don't know if it's bad. It just sounds like it's, it reminded me a lot of The Sims, the game The Sims. Mm-hmm if you I don't know if you played it, yeah, you remember right. the score in that. It's like it's like this like <laughs> it's very fifties yeah. like house you know, like uh, almost like you see like a commercial for like cheer detergent in nineteen fifty six. You know what oh, I mean? it's, right. like, it's like that. Okay. Um let's see. Uh, a lot of static shots uh, oh, down yeah. hallways and alleys, uh, which was cool. I like the his camera placement's really unique, I think, for, is, especially yeah. for the time period. Mm-hmm. He shoots a lot, like down, like like there'll be people like sitting at a desk or a table, and he'll shoot like straight down the table, like at the like you know you can't even see the people, like you only see the first person and you see like the butts of everybody else. Just really weird choices like that, but I think they really work. Mm. Um, I think the story of it is kind of uh, you know generic and not very interesting, and I think the movie gets by a lot mm-hmm. on the fact that it's Japanese <laughs> and that it's you know well directed, and I think if it were an American film that was well-directed like this that was had the same story, I'd still give it the kind of low rating that I did. I gave this a two and a half. Oh, okay. And I just... I mean, it's just kind of like a not very interesting idea for a movie. Uh, you know, guy cheats on his wife and then his marriage falls apart. Like, okay. You know, and it's, not, <laughs> it's not like it's full of great scenes of them fighting or anything. It's not. Like, she just finds out and then she's like... confronts him very, like, calmly and then she just leaves. Mm. You know? And it's like he gets this... um offer to transfer to this other uh, part of the country which is like in the mountains mm-hmm. and he does and she come, She surprises him by coming and meeting him and she's like we can move past it now and I don't know it's just kind of like mm. okay I, <laughs> whatever um, not your thing I, that's, so the characters look into the camera did this happen in late, screen, late spring uh, I don't, remember, I don't remember,
2: remember they had a few scenes in here happening.
3: where the Characters look directly into the camera when they're talking to each other, like oh, yeah. uh, Jonathan Demi films. Oh, right, yeah, like, yeah. And I think, I mean, probably Demi got it from there. I don't know. Mm. Um, Was that good or bad for you? No, I like that. I like mean, that? I, I like, I love it in Demi films. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh, a lot of like weird uh, pseudo political uh, anti capitalist kind of stuff going on in it, mm. like this uh, like woes of the working man. Like it's mm. hard to have to work and. This guy's got this good quote where he's like, I've been working 31 years and I just realized that life is an empty dream. And it's just like, like, you know, just super depressed, uh, feeling sorry for themselves kind of guys. And um, Uh. uh, some other good quotes. uh, Lying in bed is so tiring. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I I envy healthy people. All right, nice. (laughs) Just like sad bastard people in this movie. Um, That's the late Ozu for you. Yeah, Goldfish... uh, is tired of... She gets really mad. She's, like, tired of the insinuations because everybody knows that she's cheating on, with this guy. And she, they're, uh. they're telling her, like, you should be thinking of this guy's wife. Like, how would you feel if somebody was, you know... Oh, yeah. And then she's, like, really mad about it. So what does she do? She goes to the guy who she's cheating with. She goes to his house in the middle of the night, wakes him <laughs> and his wife up, and then demands to speak to him. Because that'll put all the rumors to rest, right? <laughs> she, it's just, she's kind of an idiot. Um uh. It is a little funny So she's dumb and ugly? Yeah, yeah, yeah Wow (laughs) It is a little funny And Uh, named Goldfish Yeah It's a little funny at the end Uh, I don't think it's supposed to be funny But it kind of is (laughs) Uh, After his, his wife's moved out and, it, and like he's out at work or whatever, and it it shows finally it shows like it's been like a week since she moved out. and It shows his apartment for the first time, and it's like just wrecked. because <laughs> like, he's just like a he's sloth, a bachelor you know? now. Yeah. Oh right, he's got right, shirts right. like hanging everywhere and like stuff on the floor and like yeah. hey, this is horrible. Empty food containers. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think it's and I feel like uh, he's also in the process of moving at that point. Like he's about uh-huh. to leave to go to the mountains or whatever. So I think that that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it as if like he's just a slav and his wife's not there to clean up, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um. I I was going to ask questions to you guys, but you didn't watch it. (laughs) I was going to say, why does the girl at the end have an eye patch? I don't get it. (laughs) There's a (laughs) fire. There's a girl with an eye patch at the end. I don't know. Uh, And then I I was going to say something about how where they move to is. called misuichi and i was gonna say it's kind of like the like a purgatory for their sins that they have to live in because it's like mm. a really boring they constantly talk about how boring it is because they mm. were living in tokyo
0: and uh, like, nothing to do
3: and it's really hot there and uh. they hate it anyways that's uh that's my first experience with ozu and it was pretty di- disappointing oh mm.
1: yeah, i don't think that's one of his higher rated films or <laughs> um so yeah maybe you'll check out it's some on other. criterion oh huh. That's true. I think most of his
3: stuff is on Criterion, though.
1: and and people yeah. usually say all Ozu is great. So I don't know. not because
3: people are idiots who just kind of like <laughs> just go. Not with our it. listeners, of course. Our listeners are geniuses, of course. Yes. But the people who think Ozu is just great because they've seen three Ozu movies and they're all amazing, yeah. Like just get yeah. yeah. Come on. Or you gonna Come say on. Get Dead? Come on. <laughs> just watch all of a film and then do a rank list on Letterbox like a normal human being. That's right.
1: <laughs> All right, Kevin. So uh, we'll get into late spring then, our deep dive. That's this right. Week. Late spring, I was uh, going to
3: say that Kevin was going to give early spring two stars. Okay. And Jordan was going to give it three and a half. All right. And I gave well, it two and a half. You gave
1: it two and a half. Cool. Well, well, we'll have to go and watch early spring or not. Seen, I don't know. You've I'm seen thinking, have have you not? seen it? It depends on whether or not
3: you <laughs> like. If you, I, I don't feel like it's some kind of situation where it's – like a bad Ozu film, it seems like pretty typical from what I've heard about Ozu. Like if you like Ozu, you'll probably like early spring. When you were talking about Night on Earth and there's that commentary where he talks about how people ask him about if he was influenced by Ozu, like those shots are in this movie. There are shots of like the city and just like these static shots before they go into like a building to talk to. Yeah, that's pretty typical of Ozu. So I mean, I think it's, I think this film is, like if you like late spring, I think you should probably check it out. Okay. Mm.
1: Yeah, so if you like Ozu, it's pretty typical. you probably like it. Yeah. All right, so Kevin, you so want uh, you want to get into it here.
2: Yeah, let's get I'm into it. I'm curious to hear your your review. Uh, let's see. I I, I kind of pretty much go along with uh what John was talking about with early spring. I I felt like the whole like oh, you're a woman, you got to get married. Uh, you know, why won't you get married? Like I don't want to get married. Okay, I'll get married. I guess. Whatever. And it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Honestly, I found the Wikipedia page for Late Spring more more interesting I will say, than, than the movie itself. Oh, wow. I will no, no, say... No, 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 no. Well, I The Wikipedia page for Late Spring is long. It's giant, yeah. And it's like a lot of stuff about Ozu and his personal history and about how this is a very specific Japanese genre of like ordinary people and yeah. the drama of ordinary life. And like the... Uh, Family middle class, family middle class, yeah. but also like censorship yeah. and his subversion of censorship and yeah,
1: very <laughs> I'll, whoever put that Wikipedia page together, I'll yeah. give them mad props because that's it was a great yeah, that's like document. a thesis on yeah. on
2: on this movie man for sure, but for yeah, sure. Um, let's see, yeah, and the like I I didn't I didn't think the acting was all that great I, I like uh the the girl uh Noriko. Like through most of the movie, I'd say at least six eighths of the movie, she has this really big grin on her face and like it doesn't move. It's very static. Mm-hmm. Now, did you say no. six eighths? Six eighths. So like three fourths. See. Si.
3: Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I, was, so, I wanted to talk about now, that too. Yeah, yeah
2: I, mean, I mean, like, I can get that from a certain perspective. Like with uh, Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, like, Kurosawa had a very unique, well, sorry, a very specific vision of the two main characters having these kind of mask-like faces mm-hmm. because it's playing on the tradition of Japanese theater. Now, I don't know if that's what Ozu was was getting at uh there is a a no play that they go Mm -hmm. see in the movie and there's one woman with a mask yeah um i don't know if it's
1: that so much as it's just like a cultural thing like like there's a scene where she's in a way like insulting um her dad's friend, like the other professor, I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, she's telling but him, like, I like, I can't
2: believe you got remarried. That's that's filthy. That's just the way, gross and disgusting. Like, I can't it, believe you. This happened, but for she's me, staying uh, with a very like, a big like, smile big on her grin and she's yeah.
0: like, "Oh, you're
1: filthy." <laughs> and this <You're> kind of <laughs> this happened for me too in Tokyo Story, uh-huh. uh, another Ozu, the only other Ozu film I've seen. So. Right. At first I was like, yeah, why is everybody like weirdly smiling like especially the women? But I think yeah. it's a cultural thing okay. there because like especially when you say like an insulting thing, mm-hmm. they like they try and present it like happily or they try and present it like, you know, smiling is res- respectful right. in a way. So I think it might just be like a Japanese thing that comes off weird to American be, audiences. Yeah, it
2: could be that or it could be the American censors who like apparently they like kind of got the script for late spring and just started chopping bits out uh like it felt it felt mild like reading about it like they
1: changed a few pieces of dialogue to like avoid any critique of the allied powers in the time and everything yeah but like
2: them cutting out the scene there's there's supposed to be a scene where they're going to visit the grave of noriko's mother and they cut that out for like Worshipping ancestors, like no, like Americans go to graveyards and cemeteries all the time to see their dead loved ones. Like, that's that's not some I I, I don't buy that. Um, what did
1: you think about the cinematography? Kind of like what John was talking about. The uh, editing? I thought it was okay.
2: Um, didn't really, I didn't really notice it one way or another. Okay, it's like I feel like yeah, like the the central focus is you know on the family and um and all that so like that's that's what i was looking at but even that i didn't find all that interesting so well i guess
1: since we're not doing our star rating battle since john watched a different film right. you want to reveal your star rating he got it right he got it right two stars two stars head
3: over here <laughs> that's right He would have given early spring too also i guarantee
2: <laughs> I, I, I think it's so
1: but uh, ten.
2: yeah. I mean, I thought uh, like so, like some of the interactions between Norco and her father, like it kind of reminded me of uh, the play Waiting for Godot, like you know a uh, you know back and forth between the two, like. Oh, but this happened? No, this happened. What? This? Oh, wow! And you know, so I thought that was kind of entertaining. But the but the rest of it, I was like. but but i mean i i agree i agree with you jordan like the and and john like the um i feel like this is this is a an example of like a cultural thing that you know can't really get across to western audiences i mean you know i'm sure there's plenty of people in the West who appreciate Ozu's films, but, like, it's like I was was telling you about uh, Satyajit Ray's movie, uh, The Big City, about how, like, there's this poor family and the wife has to go to work and they're they're just beside themselves with the shame that, you know, they're so poor that the wife has to go to work, the woman Mm. has to go to work, and it's like, you know, something, like, my mom has worked the entire time I've been alive so like that's something that like I can't put myself in their shoes where I f- can understand the shame of of that kind of thing now if it was just like they were all poor yeah I can I can I can see that but you know just just the whole the the whole idea of you know the man has to work and provide for his family yeah, yeah. I can see that to a certain extent but like the way they're just so you know, so stricken with grief yeah. that the wife has to go to work, and then like you know, you're betraying the family by staying at work when you don't have to, and all that kind of stuff. I feel like,
1: yeah, I think I mean I agree yeah. with you. I think like as a Western audience, we might not be able to like feel that as much as like mm. you know if people from that country or that time period. Yeah, I think it can be like I, I can still appreciate it like for what it is, like you know, historical okay. like look into that culture that time period yeah so yeah
2: I don't know maybe like I don't know you take something like Kurosawa's Ikiru Mm -hmm. which I feel like you know it's about a you know low level bureaucrat who goes to the doctor and he's like he's sitting in the doctor's office like I gotta get back to work I gotta get back to work you know I only have so long for my lunch break man and then he finally gets into the doctor and the doctor tells him well you have terminal cancer and then like him going going through the rest of his life and trying to be trying to be a good person and then after he dies like everybody remembering him i feel like that's maybe more know, universal
1: i guess yeah is something what you're saying. yeah
2: okay and plus uh takashi shimura great actor so i haven't seen akira check it out I it's, need to get on. it's pretty good it's a little long going to yeah. warn you ahead of time so like make sure you budget out that time but uh, <laughs> All right. but it is a good movie well for uh, for me for late spring uh, picking this I was you
1: know figured this might probably is not going to be y'all's kind of thing you know it's like a more quiet meditative family drama you mm-hmm. know and like you said reading about the the certain genre of Japanese film you know dealing with like a middle class family and yeah you know, just kind of knowing Ozu's style from watching Tokyo Story I figured mm-hmm. it'd be pretty similar but uh yeah just like Tokyo Story I really enjoyed it. Um, I like the kind of, I wouldn't call it, I mean, it is slow. I could could see that critique of it being just like, oh, this is really slow and not a lot is happening. But it it did kind of remind me of Jarmusch in a way where, you know, obviously he's, you know, taking a lot of influence from it. But I had the same feeling watching this that I did watching Patterson or something like that, where it's just like, you know, everyday life, very meditative, but like it's so pleasant and it's just like so.
3: Palatable and easy to watch, like it's just enjoyable. Um, I see. I, I, I when watching early spring, just like the, uh, I felt like that too. I was watching and I was like watching it, trying to see like, okay, what is Jarmish getting out of this? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. I kept, but I kept thinking of Richard Linklater more. I said mm. thinking of like, um, like the the Before uh, trilogy and and it's like it's his film reminded me a lot of like a Linklater film and yes, certain Jarmish films, sure. Except like minus the any kind of uh, delving into any kind of like philosophy whatsoever, you know. So like yeah. even like on a yeah. surface level, there's like no kind of analyzation of what's going on. It's just kind of like bare bare facts. Like I, you know, I'm cheating on my wife. My wife finds out. I she leaves. Mm-hmm. I make a decision to leave. And then there are like these moments, uh, like these quiet moments where. Like I said, that he's talking to the guy who's about to retire, and he says life is empty or whatever, and that's that's about as close as you get to something like that. Whereas mm-hmm. in, in in a in a Linklater film, especially, it's like they they'll go off on a you know because they're again those characters are intellectuals who and these people are not they're like blue collar workers essentially. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for Jarmish, like something like Patterson, even Patterson's very you know like there's some weird stuff that happens in Patterson yeah. also, and yeah. you don't it feels yeah it feels like. He's certainly, you could see Jarmish like getting something from Ozu, yeah, but it's yeah. not the you know, like what what it's, J- it's like it's like style it's like uh, aesthetics more yeah, than more than uh, actual content or anything. Yeah, you know? yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, they're they're definitely different in a lot of ways. I guess it was like mainly the the feeling that it gave me of just like this pleasant kind of day to day life, just kind of being dropped into these characters' lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know, I just really enjoyed that. That aspect of it, just I thought the performances were great. I thought the characters were really richly drawn and complex. Um, Like Naruko, she's an interesting character because she's modern in some senses, but she's also very traditional at the same time. Like it opens with her at the traditional tea ceremony, and like it definitely the film definitely makes efforts to like show traditional Japanese culture. Um, but also like the mixture, like the conflict with, you know, traditional Japanese culture uh, you know, and then like the more modern uh, society and like the conflict there between the generations. Uh, and, it, and it's like it does all these things, but I feel like it's really subtle. And like I appreciate that for what it is, just being like not overt, not being like, you know, over the top or like. I mean, I love Curaçao, but it's 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 kind of like the antithesis of a Curaçao film. It's not, like, dynamic or showy in any way. It's just, it's, like, very subtly paced, very subtly drawn to where it, I don't know, it, it feels very skillful, very precise, very purposeful. Um, and so that's what the characters, but, you know, as well as, like, the cinematography and the style and, like, how... Um, i I, I love reading about how he would like build his sets based on like the tempo of the film that he had in mind. like he'd write the mm. screenplay with a certain tempo in mind and then they'd build the sets like accordingly to how like what what a character would naturally do on screen would would work with like the feel of the film that he was trying to make like however long it took her to walk across the room to him to talk to him Mm -hmm. that kind of thing like he thought all that through so it just Uh it comes across to me as like very precise um i love yeah the camera work like the tatami shots like the low angle shots um and the framing of the film like it you know all the the camera for the most part doesn't move the whole film when it does there's uh it's just tracking shots but Ozu is apparently, like, very against reframing, like, panning at all, so, like, even when they did the tracking shots, he made the camera technicians, like, walk in step with the characters, like, as they're walking, so, like, it all feels purposeful, like, the camera doesn't do anything that doesn't have a purpose to it. Mm. So, I appreciated that. Um, Also, I like the editing a lot, like, it's, it's for 49, it's pretty, not out there is the word, but not traditional. Um, you know, he like, for instance, in the first, um, establishing shots, he shows you the, like a train station and like two shot, two establishing shots of the train station. And then it cuts to like another location where they're inside the house. So you're like, how does that have anything to do with like, what's the transition? Like what's the, the narrative structure there. Then like later they do go to a train station and you can, I guess, you can see it as like he's just setting up like the locale they're in because there's a sign saying Kakamura or whatever city they're in. So mm. you're like, okay, he's that's he's and he just I don't know he doesn't make any like ex, like uh, he doesn't give you like any explanation between these things. He just shows you <clears throat> shows you a shot and then uh, you know goes on with the story. And then he has like those other um, what do they call them like reading the wikipedia article pillow shots where it's just like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like dramas the static shots of like the city or like more establishing shots just giving you like the feel of the locale like they're in the early part of the film they're at the tea ceremony and then like all of a sudden it just cuts to like outside of where they're at and it like goes to like shots of blades of grass or like trees it just kind of lingers on these different uh objects and pieces of nature so I I just found it really, really beautiful, um, really meditative. It did feel long at parts to me. That was probably my Mm. only critique of the film was like it's almost two hours. And like early on, it's just pleasant. It's, you know, it's slowly paced. It's meditative. And Noriko is just, you know, happy. She's enjoying her life, her relationship with her father. Mm. And then pretty much like halfway in, you know, where she starts to feel pressured to get married and she makes that choice. And it's just like, me it was heartbreaking just to see like her resignment into doing something that she obviously didn't want to do and her father doing it as well like they have a, a good thing going their relationship and then she, she just feels the social pressure from her aunt to marry and her father as well as like he feels bad for holding her back but she really wants to just stay with him as like you know his only child and take care of him like she's content to do that So, like, even though it's not, like, an overt, like, dynamic scenario, I just found their relationship interesting. And, like, you don't see that, especially in the West, you don't see that kind of, like, endearing relationship between a a father and a a daughter. Like, reading the article we read, Mm. you know, it talked about, like, if this was westernized, or some critic was talking about, if this was westernized, it would... You know lend itself like in the West to some like creepier interpretation between them, like a sexual relationship, but like there's nothing of that in this film. It's just like you know very warm hearted like loving relationship between them, and then like kind of the inevitability of like her having to let go of that relationship and get married, and like you know what is typically seen as like you know what you know what you grow up to do and what will make you happy is like pretty much her death in this film like marriage is equated a lot to death to where like we we never uh we never see the wedding you know we yeah we we never see the fiance we never see the fiance which i love that and i love that once she uh she moves on and we like we never see her again like it's like as if she's disappeared or died and then it kind Mm. of focuses on the father at the end i really liked those choices of, like, what he what he chose to exclude and then what he chose to, like, kind of shift into at the end. So, obviously, I liked it a lot. So, uh, yeah.
3: What's your score? Four and a half. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> what did you guess? Three and a half for early spring. For early spring, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'd yeah, probably absolutely. give that, like, a five. You're, you love
1: this guy. Yeah, I was debating. Yeah. It, was a, it was a hard debate. Like, I wanted to give it a five. A hard like,
3: self-debate?
1: Hard self so you're debate. Just like yeah, just yelling at yourself. Ah, oh, give it a five. I was like, no, can't get a five. I feel like it probably could be a. And I felt the if same w- way about Tokyo Story. It could probably be about twenty minutes shorter. So like if there's it was something, twenty
2: minutes shorter, five. If it was twenty okay. minutes
1: shorter, I'd be like five all the way. Right. But okay. at the same time, it's hard to say that because everything does feel really purposeful and like, you know, like every, you know, every scenario has a meaning. But like the no mm. play like when they're watching the no play screw that i was like this is getting
2: long oh no that's when that's when the father starts making eyes at uh well that was
1: that was at the end of the scene (laughs) yeah Uh, that was at the end of the scene so like the first like 10 minutes you're just watching them watch this play in japanese and it's like really traditional and i have no idea what's going on But then (laughs) they start making eyes and then she's you know she's jealous and she starts feeling really bad she's a like I thought, her nonverbal acting was really great. Like her emoting on screen, mm. I thought she did a good job just showing. And then that scene after that, where um, they're walking back from the play, and he's obviously like really enjoyed it. and, yeah, he, and yeah. she's in despair, and they separate. And she's like, "I have something to do," and then she she walks off. And there's that shot where like it just him walking in yeah, the same direction yeah. but she's further ahead and they're just separate on screen. I mm-hmm. thought that was just a really beautiful shot like, you know, depicting their their break, I don't know. Okay. It was good. I liked it. Not for everybody, but kind of kind of up my alley, I guess. All right. All right. So we're going to move on to our feedback segment. Jimmy Ray has written in uh, at our email address, which is feedback at com, and he had a, a topic that he wanted us to discuss so he writes in and says there are lots of directors who used to be critically acclaimed but have slipped away from the spotlight recently for various reasons think Francis Ford Coppola or William Friedkin what are some directors you guys would like to see have a comeback, either commercially or critically? And he says for his choice he'd pick William Friedkin. I love the French connection and I think he still can make a great film. So let's open it up for discussion. Okay, Y'all have okay. uh, directors in mind that you'd like to see come back a little uh, critically? or
3: I like William Friedkin too. I think he still does make good movies. I think he... Uh
1: Killer Joe I mean
3: killer Joe is great I think uh, bug is great I think uh, rules of engagement was really good uh, mm. a lot of underrated kind of stuff that he's done I, I you know but I, I agree he should get bigger budgets and like you know yeah uh, you know I, but I think he makes good decisions still about his material it's kind of a hard thing to like like think about
1: as far as like okay they're still making great films but I just like like who would I like to see like well there's really a lot of people, the spotlight there's a yeah. lot
3: of people who don't make films good films or make films at all anymore and i mean like yeah, have i have a list come back john mctiernan for one uh talking oh yeah about the 13th warrior he's, he was in jail for a while and how uh, was he in jail he he got arrested and convicted of uh wire illegal wiretapping okay on his wife's phone yeah. some, some kind of weird thing private investigators i don't know yeah. he, he went to jail for a few years after mm-hmm. uh he directed uh basic was the last movie he did and uh which I I you know it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember liking it quite a bit when it came out. I mean, I'm sure it's like mm-hmm. a perfectly normal you know uh, good thriller and everything, but I, you know I think he's just got a really great great track record of action films: uh, Die Hard, Predator, uh, even like Last Action Hero, 13th Warrior. Yeah. Like he's just Hunt for October. Even he's yeah, just a, he's a great yeah he's a great great filmmaker. You and, look uh, at his filmography, and it's
1: just like these are the great action yeah, films. Yeah, like yeah, he kind he's of like the the established.
3: That genre, kind yeah. of. I mean, he's definitely. I mean, just Die Hard and Predator are like up there. And yeah, you are making an action film list; they've got to be in the top five, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola also is someone who's still making films. I think his films are a lot more uh, like personal and uh, definitely super independent, and uh, you know, therefore, kind of not as interesting to me. I, I would like to see him, you know, get a big studio picture again. Like, yeah, than, you know, I think the last. Uh, great great film that he did was uh dracula, dracula. and uh <laughs> not jack <laughs> oh, I, I mean i'm not i'm not a jack hater though i yeah. think it's you know funny enough yeah or whatever, i like jack but, but uh i think dracula was dracula. fantastic i'd like to see him do more stuff like that uh also uh roger avery another person who was in jail oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> really
1: unfortunately. Like, yeah, what did he do? He's
3: drunk drunk driving or hitting oh, mud or okay. something i don't um, know uh, and, remind me of his filmography he uh he Wrote, co-wrote Pulp Fiction. Okay. Uh, he yeah. directed Killing Zoe and uh, oh, yeah, Rules yeah. of Attraction on my top ten list. Uh, yeah, he he, he wrote uh, the CGI Beowulf movie. Well, he
2: uh, co-wrote it with Neil Gaiman. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay.
3: He uh, he's still writing now, uh, but he's. I would like to see him direct again. He hasn't directed anything as far as I know since Rules of Attraction, and I think Rules mm. of Attraction is just an absolute masterpiece and i don't get people who give it less than five i think they should die
0: <laughs> i'm just kidding i love you kevin uh and
3: also uh i i just have a couple more i'm just gonna keep going sure here. Cool, cool uh brian De Palma uh hasn't done a great film in years his best film recently has was the documentary that noah bombach did about his work oh wow <laughs> uh, he and, and De Palma is just so great and he's just got so much style and yeah. his films are so interesting to watch and it's just a real shame he doesn't get any work anymore uh oliver stone like we said i think i i don't know that he can do a good film again because it's not like <laughs> he's wanting for budgets or anything yeah but
2: yeah. uh well he's hanging out with putin now yeah
3: so. and i i don't i haven't seen that series of interviews and i i will probably watch them eventually i i rather like all of his south american stuff that he did like he interviewed uh Hugo Chavez and Fidel Castro um, and I've I watched all those films and I liked them what, quite a bit So, what did you
2: think of uh, Salvador with James Woods? I love
3: Salvador cool. I love it I have the Twilight Time Blu-ray which cost me an arm and a leg and it's just fantastic and uh, I I really yeah, I like anything he did in the 80s basically from like the beginning of his career all the way through maybe uh, Natural Born Killers although I remember liking uh, Any Given Sunday also but it's been a long time since I've seen it
2: what about uh, Nixon I love Nixon Yeah,
3: love it love it. I really like Nixon. I like JFK more obviously, but JFK is just like just so great. It's another one of those 3-hour movies that just flies right by you. Um and then finally uh uh Vincent Gallo who doesn't yeah. do anything anymore. Oh, yeah. He has a film that has mm-hmm. been finished for years and uh, it like can't get distribution. I just want to <laughs> see him do more films. I love his films. I love right. I love Buffalo 66. I love I Buffalo 66. Really I need to watch, watch The Brown Bunny. Brown Bunny is a masterpiece, and, uh, I don't like the Brown Bunny, but I do love Buffalo '66. <laughs> Brown Bunny is great. So I wish he would do more stuff like that, or just really anything. Uh, yeah, I would as like he, as yeah. long as he's starring in it. Also, yeah, I don't want to, I'm not interested in him directing uh,
2: if he's unless not starring. he's starring. Yeah.
1: I agree. He's a he's an interesting guy to watch. I would yeah, like to see yeah. more
3: films made by him.
2: Yeah, well, sure. also Christina Ricci in Buffalo '66. Am I right? right? Good? Yeah.
3: Yeah. What do you mean? Well, she, good looking. She, oh well, she, she's all right. I guess right. Chloe seventy and Brown Bunny. She's <laughs> no. <laughs> well, she's no. Vincent I'm not going to argue with you there because <laughs>
2: Chloe, she's got it going on. Oh, oh yeah, she does. And she's, she's very she's, good looking. Yeah, and <laughs> they're acting chops too. I, I mean, would say. oh, yeah, she's a great actress. Like, did you see her? Uh, have you watched uh, Louis C.K.'s show? Louis, I have not. She in that? I've seen one this, episode. I've seen, uh, and it's the it's first a really really interesting like. You you think like Louis C.K. like oh it'll be it'll be a comedy but like no there's yeah. like a lot like
3: Like It's dark I've seen the first gets, couple of seasons okay I, yeah I haven't seen that one though yeah
2: she's in she's in it for like maybe maybe a total of twenty minutes
3: if that I really should check that out then because yeah I'm a big fan of hers I actually yeah. watched she just uh, directed her first short film oh. and. uh. I watched it and I, I rather I rather liked it. It was it's on FilmStruck actually. Okay, cool. Um, Chloe Saveny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, mm. I I I like her in a lot of. I mean, I, like she's in uh, you know Julian Donkey Boy, obviously in Gummo, and mm. yeah. Also mm. uh, does a great job in uh, Fincher's Zodiac film. So mm. I really I'm a big fan of hers. Cool. You got any other directors?
1: No, that's
2: all. That's my whole list. All right,
1: Kevin, what do you got for directors?
2: I would like to see I would like to see a better movie from Terry Gilliam. Yeah, oh, because yeah, that's good. Uh,
3: like, did so you see Zero Theorem? I did. I haven't seen it, but my wife bought it for me a
2: long time ago. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I wasn't that mm. big on yeah, it. No, like, I it, I hear, it was kind of
3: like I hear mixed things about
2: it. Yeah, I mean, like, I was excited because I was like, "Hey, Terry Gilliam's working again," and, and, Christoph, Waltz. and Christoph Waltz. Yeah, but then, like, for me, it was like, "Okay, you are just rehashing Brazil mm. only with like math." And, you know, you've got this one guy who's kind of a loner, dreamer, but, you know, good at his work. And, you know, uh, dystopic um, society and, uh, like, creativity has been thrown by the wayside. It's like, oh, come on, Terry. This is not a metaphor for your life, man.
1: (laughs) It seems like he his later stuff, yeah, he just kind of like, yeah, tried like, to revisit some of his yeah, early like, like wackier stuff. And, and I, at that yeah. point it was like, I really enjoyed how his like, you know, middle of his career, like he was doing kind of different, oh, for sure. Different Cause he kinds had of like, projects. Yeah. He got a little darker, but then he went yeah. back to kind of doing the more like, well, lighter, I, would, I would say wacky like, wacky like, like
2: Terry Gilliam's always kind of had like a slightly darker sense of humor. Oh, because yeah. like, he's, he's a guy who like, um, early, early in his life, like he had, like from from his own words. Like he's uh he had read the Bible twice all the way through before he was sixteen. When he was accepted to college, he was going on some kind of scholarship because he was gonna be a missionary. He was gonna be oh, a priest. Wow. But then like like a lot of people, I feel like he just went totally the other way and never looked back. Hmm. Um yeah, so, like, he, you know, like, the more grotesque, the more weird, the more this, that, and the other, the better for Terry Gilliam.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he's got that run of movies, but like, yeah, like uh, uh, Twelve Monkeys, Fear and Loathing. Well, I think, like, starts
2: um, with, uh, like, uh, Fisher King. Fisher King. Twelve definitely. Monkeys, and then Fear and Loathing. Yeah. Like, three really good movies back-to-back. Yeah. Then you get the Brothers Grimm yeah. and Tideland yeah. and Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, which like I didn't it's not bad. That, yeah, I didn't mind that one. I don't. I, one? I feel it's like Imaginarium. Yeah. I, I hated Tideland though. I never
3: it saw was Tideland. Was any like, of
2: those. what am I watching? Yeah, it was really boring. Yeah, like <laughs> so. I mean, like uh, yeah. So I would, I would love to see like, like I don't want to see him do another Fisher King. I don't want to see him do another Brazil. But I would like to see the Terry Gilliam. Who was doing these very different movies, but very amazing and very visually challenging and yeah. well made movies again?
1: Well, it's like, and they all have his signature style to him, but he was like taking or you know, well, doing yeah, different like, projects. So yeah, like, like
2: like Brothers Grimm, like yeah. kind of could have been could have been made by anybody. Yeah, so um, but like, I feel like you know, like it's like the only quirkiness that's allowed in Hollywood is Tim Burton, really. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like a
1: superficial. Yeah, that's true. He's kind of he's just rehashing himself
2: too. So it's a joke.
1: Yeah, Um, and he's not one that I'd even even want to see like more of his good days.
3: Come back. I'm just tired. I know when you shit, really you break know? it down, yeah. like Tim Burton doesn't have good days. Like, he's got one great film that happened 30 years ago or whatever. Which, which was that? Ed Wood? Oh, yeah, Ed Wood. And okay. it's like, I mean, what else has he done? Yeah, like yeah Batman, like, big deal. Edward Scissorhands.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Well, like, like, again, it's I like, I don't need to see yeah. anymore, yeah, Tim I'm Burton. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm and good. And like, that's
2: the thing I think a lot of people forget. Like, people like, Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, yeah, he came up with the story and he produced it but like Henry Selleck Henry Selleck directed it and like the uh like the vocal performances by all the actors. Danny and Elfman's Dan- music. Yeah, Danny Elfman's yeah. music and uh yeah. like just the just the stop-motion animation by itself. Yeah. Like, that's what makes I mean, I'm sure he added movie. to,
1: like, a lot of the look of the film, which is a big part. Yeah, but, you know, like, conceptual uh,
2: drawings and all that kind of stuff. Did y'all
1: see... Was it his most recent film? I don't know, but it was the... Um what, Miss Peregrine's? Oh, score. yeah. You hated that movie. That is the worst piece of garbage I've seen in a long time. It's a terrible movie. And you you thought this was going to be good? or No. I okay. mean, I thought it might be, like, passable, no. but it he wasn't. Make was passable? it, like, your, like, your wife anymore?
2: dragged you to this? or Yeah,
1: she wanted to see it. She read the book, so we watched oh, okay. the movie. I gave it one star. I mean, Samuel Jackson is a joke in this film. It's just... It's he's,
3: uh, it's a discredit to his, Tim his career. Tim Burton is making the yeah. live action Dumbo movie next. Wow,
1: live
2: action! <laughs> wow,
3: I don't want to see that. Oh goodness! All
1: right. Well, for me, a director that I'd like to see come back, you know, that I've been interested in for a while, um, and he's still making films. Michelle Gondry, I really love uh, Eternal Sunshine and how he teamed up with Charlie Kaufman, like on that film. Uh, I'd love to see them pair up again and make another great great film Mm. um you know maybe like in a different genre uh, you know different you know with the same you know with his signature Mm. gondry quirky style but like i haven't seen any of his recent films um but they just haven't really you know gotten great reviews haven't really been in the spotlight and they've been mostly french so i'd like to see him come back and do like you know american-made film you know with like a great cast like you had with eternal sunshine Mm. Because um, I think he can be a, a great director. Uh, and especially, you know, that film's in my top 10. Oh, yeah. like in the top 10s. Yeah. Um, on the blog. Another guy I'd like to see come back, and well, he's still making films, but uh, Jean Pierre Junot, who did uh, City of Lost Children, mm. Delicatessen, Amelie, you know, his most well known thing. I like all three of those films a lot. I haven't seen a whole lot of Alien his.
3: Resurrection. It's
0: <laughs> Not, a so masterpiece.
3: Not
1: so much. Not so much. Yeah. So he's got a, a hit and miss <laughs> career. Uh, he he kind of started going downhill for me with the very long engagement. His film after Amelie with Audrey Tateau. Which much I, much better mm, than Amelie. I didn't like Way it. Way better all. than Amelie. <laughs> didn't like it at all. I like I like Amelie. Uh, I don't know. Like I was telling Kevin this. Like his his style. Like he's he's also got kind of that quirky. Kind of goofy style, almost. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like you know, I probably need to go back and rewatch a lot of his early, early films. Like I remember liking that kind of out there, uh, Mm. you know, wildness about him at that time. Uh But uh, I don't know how much they'd hold up. But I would like to see him like come back and do something like as strong as his earlier films. We met because of
3: a very long engagement. We did, yeah, we did go. I thought Um, we had uh, uh, no. uh, We met uh, in the uh, theater. uh, Nope. (laughs) No. I, uh, Logan knew Lafon already. Yeah, yeah. We saw her as, at the time. as we were coming out of that movie at Segan. She was there. I don't know if she went and saw that movie or something else. Yeah, we, me, yeah, we went and saw it. You weren't there I at wasn't this there? time. No. So she wasn't seeing this at this time. Okay. Oh, okay. We came out of that movie. We saw her. And then he introduced me to her. And she, he was like, This is the girl whose boyfriend's really into movies. And oh. I was like, Oh, cool. Oh. I should meet this guy. So we got to give that movie some props. Yeah, I guess. and just uh, is a fantastically better film than Amelie. <laughs> uh, I thought I remember y'all being in the theater when we went and saw it. But. I don't think uh, my memory is such that if you you weren't there. I remember they were, we were all talking about you, and it was mm. like Jordan is this guy who's into movies who John needs to meet.
1: Yeah, and, and I then, think when we yeah. actually met, we met at like the coffee shop, coffee call,
3: maybe. Probably, I don't remember when we actually met. I'm I'm pretty, I remember that might have been
1: the first time we met.
3: All I remember after that is like next memory I have is we're watching like Eraserhead. At <laughs> ah. Yeah, yeah. And, and we I, watched and Breathless. I, you showed me Breathless. Yeah, I, I was going to say
1: that earlier. Yeah, yeah I showed you Eraser and Breathless. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: and mm-hmm. I liked Breathless a lot that time. Yeah,
1: not so much this time.
3: Well, I mean, I liked it. But
1: all right. Well, up next on our show, we're going to do a deep dive review. This is John's pick.
3: Tell us about what you're picking, John. I'm picking uh, Catherine Bigelow's absolute stone-cold masterpiece, Point Break, Mm. from 1991, and I say that with zero irony. Uh, This is an absolutely fantastically great film, uh, in my opinion, and I know that uh, Jordan has seen it. Kevin, have you seen this? Yeah, he's seen it. Okay, so I know that you've both seen it but i feel like it could really do with a lot of great discussion and kevin has a present for you Especially, too in, 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 in
1: tribute of your, your he choice gave, here he
3: gave me a fox video vhs <laughs> of point yes break. Uh, a previously viewed vhs from bnm video of point break I, <laughs> yes. thank you so much you're welcome and you're required to watch it on that
1: too. no i'm good <laughs> i have the gorgeous blu-ray i'll watch it on do you um, have,
2: do you have a vcr
1: Yes, I do. Okay. We also have the v- VHS of Speed as well, if you're yes. interested.
3: I, speed's good. I don't like it as much. Yeah. Okay.
2: I do like Speed. But well, we were talking about, like, uh, Keanu Reeves movies. Yeah. Yeah,
3: this is, Laughed for me, this is, I, I'll say it, and I'll say it now, and I'll probably repeat it next week. hmm This is a movie, a rare movie, where everyone who's in it puts in the performance of their career. Mm-hmm. Career? Their career. Everybody who's in this movie, it's their best performance. Okay. And if you look at it, really think about that. Yeah, that's an interesting Everyone client. who's in it is like, there's no better performance from Keanu Reeves than in this film. In the Lake opinion. House. <laughs> Dude. I, and I, I liked The Lake House when I saw it, but I don't, I don't remember much about it. But um, yeah. Patrick Swayze, the only movie you could take him seriously in. He's great in this. Probably Outsiders. True. Gary Busey is unbelievably good in this movie. Uh, uh, Lori Petty. Who's not great in everything, and she's good in this. So you're, you're going to take Laurie Petty in that over Tank Girl. I've never seen Tank Girl, but oh. it's awful. <laughs> James LaGrosse, who's a character actor, who uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. He, he this is the first thing I saw him in, and he's great as yeah. Roach.
1: Can you say that though, if you haven't seen all their
3: other performances? Well, that's fair enough. But I mean, yeah. I've seen other things. I I feel like I've seen the James LaGrosse films that people say are great. Okay, and yeah, this yeah. one is better. And the Keanu Reeves films that yeah, people oh, I mean like, say are great. Well, what are the yeah? Exactly. People look at him like he's a terrible actor, and I don't. Yeah. I don't agree. I think he's. I think he's quite gifted. Actually, I. I don't think mm. he's like. I don't think he's like. I think he's got his own thing going on. Have you, know? you seen who, who Thumbsucker? Sucker? Yeah. I liked him in Thumb Circle. I don't lot. remember very much about it. I've seen it since the theater. He's but
1: like the psycho babble dentist. who's just right. like, he's like playing a a parody of himself almost, but it just works so great. But I mean, this. like,
3: he's great in this. He's good in, um, I mean, he's good in the matri- the first Matrix especially. I think he does a really good job of, of uh, playing aloof at first, and then, you know, this kind of confused person who becomes That's why they more... got him. They're like, yeah. oh, can get aloof Keanu. And then uh, even like talking about speed, I mean, I think he's great in speed. Yeah. I like Speed. I mean,
1: classic 90s action picture. Yeah. Same with Point Break. I'm in I'm I'm looking forward to
3: rewatching it. I'm really psyched yeah, yeah. to discuss it at length because I mean, it's just a I feel like it's a movie that doesn't get its due. It's proper due. I think people think of it as some kind of like cheesy 90s action movie and I I, sh- I really think it elevates above that. That's kind me, of what me. I think about it. But well, uh we'll see.
2: We'll see. Yeah. Well, like the only thing I would say about that is like the Three Musketeers, Disney's Three Musketeers, like, it, it's a cheesy 90s action movie, but it's mm. a great movie. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Like, Well, that's what I'm saying, though. I'm saying that I don't, yeah, find, like the I dismissal. don't find this movie cheesy, though, okay. personally. Like, I don't think it's... I think the premise sounds cheesy when you say it, like it's about surfers who rob banks. Yeah. Right. But, A, that's not really what it's about. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a part of the plot, but, like, it's not... You know, you're following uh Reeves' character, and right. it's and uh, I you know I think that the direction especially, uh, giving all due respect to Catherine Bigelow because I mean I think it's, during this time she was firing on all cylinders and I will be coming up with a ranked list of all the Bigelow films I'm hoping to watch mm. the two I haven't seen before which are uh, The Loveless and K19 The Widowmaker cool. before uh, the next show but um you know I really think uh, her direction uh, the acting I think everything it really elevates it a lot. All right, looking forward to it. So that'll be
1: on our show uh, next week. You can tune in with us. uh, Check it out on iTunes, Amazon Video, wherever you get your movies. And make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like, so that'll definitely help us out and get our show to more listeners. And, of course, check out our website at filmiacpodcast.com. Again, you can check out uh, Kevin's top ten blog post and my top ten, and we'll have John's up there soon. Uh, And if you want to keep voting on the medieval movie poll, we'll keep checking on that. And so tune in next time for more film yet. Get into trivia here.
3: This is general. I think is there like five questions on there. Yeah, and they're multicolored. Yeah, yeah, that's general. All right. What what are you doing? Who's are we asking? You're asking me first, or him first, and then I'm gonna ask you first. Okay, and then he can cool. steal and vice versa. True.
1: Sure. Um. Let's see. Okay. Question for you, John. Robert Redford plays Roy Hobbs in what film?
3: That's not fair. Is there multiple? There's multiple. Okay, give me multiple
1: choice. All right, A, The Natural, B, Indecent Proposal, C, Out of Africa, or D, Up Close and Personal.
3: I'll say The Natural. You are correct. Alright.
0: <laughs> <Robert, Kyle laughs> I did not know that. I haven't seen any of those movies. Just guess Me them. neither.
3: <laughs> I've seen the
1: natural. I like it. It's pretty good. I like Robert Redford. Okay. Um, let's see. I'll keep score. That's... Um, hmm. Some of these are too easy for you, Kevin. Alright, okay. this this might <laughs> be hard. Okay. <clears throat> all right, the 1999 thriller The Blair Witch Project mm-hmm. takes place in what state? Ooh. Maryland. You are correct. Uh, all right. So, tied so far? Tied. Let's ask one more and see uh see who gets the best. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's see. All right, John. Who plays Ducky? in the 1986 comedy Pretty in Pink John Cryer you're right alright
3: never seen that movie either
0: oh, <laughs> saving <laughs> your
1: <laughs> alright okay what actress appeared in Blue Velvet, Immortal Beloved and Wild at Heart that's so Isabella easy. Rossellini
3: that's, that's the All easiest right. one you could have given uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would have known that uh, <laughs> if you would know it it's too easy <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, wait, I'm just kidding. Um, i got a point um, oh, yeah, sorry, down. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: oh wow there's a there's a burt lancaster question but i'm
2: not gonna don't please don't do that to okay. me <laughs> um, he has a pretty wide filmography so yeah oh i watched uh buffalo bill and the indians oh yeah i saw that. yeah yeah Uh, yeah i thought i thought it was okay personally i gave the same score you did (laughs) oh yeah
1: yeah okay this is gonna be a hard one i think all right right. in the 1998 drama hope floats what (laughs) what is the name of the bully at bernice's school
3: give me options
1: Uh, all right a big red b fat margaret C, Big Dolores, or D, Martha Dump Truck?
3: Oh, I was gonna say Dolores. Until you said Martha Dump Truck. Now I don't know. I'm gonna say Big Dolores.
1: You're right. I, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, that was good. All right. So where are we at? We got three
3: to two, but it's Kevin's turn. So, right. right. yeah, he could tie it up here. Yeah. All
1: right. In the 1999 comedy American Pie. Mm-hmm. What instrument does the band camp girl play?
2: Trumpet.
3: Wrong.
1: Ooh, oh, I, I know. Can I steal? That's it. Yes. Flute? Yes, you're <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> I think that means I How win. Did you I, win. I'm fortitude. How yeah. did I not? Uh, whatever. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a flute man. I think it's in the second one, like he puts As, a trumpet up his butt or no, something. No, she puts the
3: flute up her Stuff. vagina. Yeah. yeah,
2: but doesn't like? isn't there one of the other ones where like... Uh, a band instrument goes up somebody else,
3: probably, I but i that's not what the question was, Kevin, okay, don't I, be a sore loser,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you
3: shouldn't have watched any of those films anyway <laughs> so, all right, John's the winner, so he gets
1: so what to, am I watching have you he gets seen, to assign have, a film Have you seen the way Kevin? of
2: the gun uh Ryan felipe yeah. uh I have, but it's been a long time. I want time. you to rewatch The Way of the Gun because okay. I'm very
3: curious if you like the limey. I'm curious. Uh, okay, with another crime film from the late '90s, early 2000s, kind of. Uh, is Del Toro in that? Yeah, one too? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him, and also Nikki Cat again. Another oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah cool. sure. So. Uh, also, a lot of great like James Cans in it. All uh, oh, right, uh, Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, 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 Jeffrey. What is it? Jeffrey Lewis. Sorry, Jeffrey mm. Lewis, and then uh, Juliette Lewis. Okay, and who's the
1: star? He's
3: uh Ryan 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 Filipe? Felipe? Filipe? Filipe. It's Felipe. It's Felipe. Yeah. All right. From
1: Cruel Intentions.
3: Yeah. 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 More recently, he's on a, a the TV adaptation of the film Shooter. Wow. He ah, Plays the Mark so Wahlberg he's, role. He's fallen far. Quite quite away. Quite interesting. Away. Well, he used to be with Reese Witherspoon, and now he, I, ever yeah. since they got divorced, it was like uh, his career just went nowhere. Should have well, stuck with Reese. You should have. Because look at look what she's doing. She's he's, just... just now you know, winning Emmys and I yeah. you know, nominated for Oscars and all kinds of now stuff. Now he's yeah, just
1: right. Reese's pieces bro. <laughs> that was
0: oh. bad. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh.